0: a musical podcast. The podcast show where I force my fiancé to talk about the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we watch them. That was the wrong way
1: around. I've never said it like that before. We're going with it. We're going to go with it. I am the (laughs) fiancé. I'm true. We're still, I think, getting over Christmas. Just about. (laughs) I have eaten all the food. All the food. All the seasonal delights. And we hope all of you listening had a wonderful holiday as well
0: yes wherever you may be
1: lots of time with family and friends hopefully and just the opportunity to have some much needed r&r yes indeed and we are here to talk about one of the most magnificent movie musicals of the past few years or so so you're told so i'm told We're going to be talking about Steven Spielberg's musical debut Mm -hmm. as he directs Steven Sondheim's West Side Story. Is
0: it his musical debut?
1: It's the first musical that Spielberg has directed.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. It's a big musical to... To take on. To take on. Yeah. But I guess it's a musical that... To my knowledge, there's only one film version of already, and that's the 1957 version.
0: Nineteen. Sixty-one. Oh, okay. you were close. Nineteen
1: sixty-one. So, so it's been a long old time without, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at how things, like, look at Spider-Man. We're not going to spoil things, but the first Spider-Man film was 2001. Mm-hmm. And we've had two reboots since of Spider-Man in that yeah. twenty period twenty year period. So to have gone what, nineteen sixty one to twenty twenty one? Yeah. Forty nope. Sixty years.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Because the original's so iconic?
0: Yeah, basically. Despite the fact that there are a lot of controversies around it now. The casting was terrible for the time. And we can talk about that in a minute. But yeah, despite the fact that there are a lot of issues with the original uh, movie, for some reason it has sort of stayed the test of time and people think it is this iconic, incredible movie that cannot be touched or changed or remade.
1: So it's a massive undertaking for Steven Spielberg. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of great musicals out there that haven't got a movie version yet. Mm-hmm. Could he not have done one of those?
0: Jaws the Musical.
1: Or could, yeah, could he not do a completely brand new one? I really admire the fact that he's gone for something as big as West Side Story.
0: Mm.
1: I think that's very, very cool. Obvious, what do you know about West Side Story? It's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Like, it's it's Romeo and Juliet set in New York, and you've got rival gangs, the Jets and the Sharks. Yep. And a Jet falls in love with a Shark, and... or vice versa. I mean, presumably, a Jet falls in love with a Shark, and a Shark falls in love with a Jet, because, you know, they are the two sides. Well... And their love...
0: In that she's is... related to the Sharks... Because yeah, well, girls she's... can't be in these gangs.
1: No, but she's part of their affiliation. In the same way that Juliet isn't really going to have much of a say in the Capulet lifestyle, she does what her dad wants. She won't be a Capulet for life. She's going to be marrying Paul Rudd. You know? Paris? Yeah. I together? She's going to she's gonna marry Paris and she's going to stop being a Capulet. So I guess it's the same way. Mm. Uh, if it's anything like Juliet and Romeo, it <laughs> will be a tragic ending. Sure. Uh, A lot of people will die. Mm -hmm. And maybe with their death, they will bury their parents' strife.
0: Yeah.
1: But there's music. There's a really iconic of the clicking. I know that. I've seen it in Scrubs. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You know, because they have the doctors and the surgeons.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of jokes and a lot of different sort of TV shows that make reference to the fact that Teenagers clicking at each other yes. is not the scariest thing
1: ever. I also know <laughs> of West Side Story as the joke in Trail to Oregon.
0: Yeah.
1: Where you've got the, ah, oh, General Store guy. Yeah. And it's when it's his turn to sing. Uh, he, he he goes up it at... A I was Tony. I was Tony in West Side Story. Yeah. And he causes Jeff Blim and Jamie Betty to corpse on stage.
0: Yeah.
1: Because that's brilliant. Yeah,
0: it's really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know that much about it. I know that it's the it, it, instead of it being like Montague's capture, there's possibly a race thing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know the specifics there, so I don't obviously want to say something and get it completely wrong and you know uh, show my ignorance there. But I I, I sense that the the, the 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 division between the Jets and the Sharks is racially motivated. There's a lot of songs in it that I know I will have heard, but the only one that comes to mind right now is America. Yep. I want to live in America. (laughs) That one. Sure. Um, So possibly one of the groups have uh, a heritage outside of America, like they're they're immigrants, Mm -hmm. because of the whole, I want to live in America. Something, something, America, everything's big in America. There's another lyrics. I don't know. But it's a whole point is like we want, we're celebrating, you know, we want to be in America.
0: So you're going to know a lot of the songs from this because you really liked Glee.
1: I I liked Glee. I wouldn't say I really liked Glee. We've watched Glee
0: multiple times. You've watched
1: Glee multiple times and I end up being along for the ride.
0: And in Glee, one of the school shows they do is West Side Story. And of
1: course... Leah Michelle has to be front and centre for it, despite the fact she's probably not the right casting for it. Yep. She wants to be Maria. Yep. Which isn't right. Oh, and of course, there's the issue because Kurt and Blaine both audition to be Tony, who's mm-hmm. the male lead, but Kurt is not manly enough to play the role, I think was the, the they issue. They decide
0: that he can't play straight enough to that, play Tony. Okay. Yeah. Which is its whole own bag of worms that Yeah. bag <laughs> <that I> can. <laughs> Can of
1: worms. And bag of worms is probably holds more than a can.
0: Yeah, so you're gonna know a bunch of the different songs from this. Like uh, Maria. Everybody knows the song Maria. You will even if you don't know it from just me saying it, you will recognise it when we get to it. I know it. the
1: one that's Maria. You gotta see her. No. It's not that one. No. Okay. Um What is You're
0: gonna recognise most of them from episode
1: yeah what is the general consensus in terms of not necessarily film versions but like this with Sondheim's work obviously we lost Stephen Sondheim you know just before this came out yeah, which sucks mm-hmm. where does where is this scene in terms of his legacy is this one that's quite early in his career is it a pivotal moment for him is it one that people are like he's done better
0: people when this came out were like obsessed with it in a good way yeah it's got rave reviews people loved it like the innovations of dance music and the theatrical style of this show drew really enthusiastic reactions from all of the critics there are like paragraphs of time but most of uh Paragraphs and paragraphs at a time where critics are just raving about how good this show is. One of the things they talk about more than anything else is that it's like an opera. Oh, cool. But it's a modern, like, you know, for the modern age yeah. opera. They talk about the dance so much. The choreography is at the forefront of this show. It was a very dance heavy production. Cool. And people really talked about the way that they used silence in this show.
1: Which is something interesting when it comes to the idea of a musical and diegetic sound.
0: Yes, because there's not often in musicals where suddenly everything will go quiet. Like, usually you have some kind of underscore that's playing through.
1: But I I would also say, and I'm not going to give spoilers away, but there were moments of Spider-Man that I came out as, like, remarkably silent as a film, Mm. that there wasn't much, you know, background music... And just even in in terms of that for a blockbuster, a Mm. lot of TV shows and films nowadays, you don't get moments of silence. And it is so much more powerful when it happens. Like, it stands out more. So, you know, like you say, in a musical, to Mm. have these moments of silence, that sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, so you should know Stephen Sondheim really well. Because... One of your favourite TV series is Desperate Housewives. Yes. And almost all of the episodes are named after Stephen Sondheim songs. Are they really? Yeah, the finale is called Finishing the Hat, which is a big Stephen Sondheim thing that like everybody uses. Like when Stephen Sondheim died, everybody on Twitter, one of the big reactions people were saying was, yeah, he finished the hat. Which was really sad and made me cry, but yeah. that was a great reaction. But yeah, like almost all of the episodes are named after Steve and songs.
1: That's very cool, I didn't or know Or
0: relating that. in some way to his things. I
1: guess before we start talking more specifically about West Side Story then, mm-hmm. what is your favourite Sondheim show? Well, that's not fair. <laughs> I know it's not fair. <laughs> Obviously, into the, into the Woods is phenomenal and he was a big part of the 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 film version wasn't he the being on stage did you say he was there conducting it
0: uh, on set on yeah on set
1: yeah so that's I mean, did he do something similar with this
0: uh no he was there and for some of it and he was doing a lot of intervening is not the word that i want but like training yeah. Fair on set
1: I definitely think Into the Woods has to be up there as one of the like great ones we've seen. And especially this year, watching the staged version with Bernadette Peters mm. was phenomenal.
0: How many Ston- Stephen Sondheim musicals can you name?
1: Off the top of my head, and this does continue to show my ignorance, I know he did Company,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I really enjoyed. Obviously, there is Into the Woods, West Side Story, and Sweeney Todd. yes. Did he also do Follies? Mm-hmm. He was... Oh, I feel like we, we've discussed that he was part of Gypsy. Yes. That he And I was with like, Jules that, Stein, that yeah. threw me massively. Was he part of Chicago as well?
0: Not according to this list.
1: I think the issue is is I also get the muddling Sorry. with Stephen Schwartz.
0: Yeah, no, he didn't do Chicago.
1: Yeah, but because you've got Stephen Schwartz who did... Pippin and Wicked. Yeah. I get, I I sometimes get them muddled. So I'm going to leave out that six that I concretely know, but I know he's done so much more.
0: Right. So the ones that you missed that are on his like major works. We have, do you want them in order? Should I see how many I can do in order? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, anything alpha, you know, if you can go from from start to end. So starting
0: in 1954, we have Saturday Night, West Side Story, Gypsy, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which you would love, by the way. Well,
1: that's um, also a source of Get Him to the Greek, which is the sequel to Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, well, it's based on
0: Platus. Yes. And uh, Pseudolus, which is the, like, story that they're they're using it's actually very funny yeah um anyone can whistle do i hear a waltz company follies a little night oh so i did say
1: i get got follies right i'm pleased with that
0: um pacific overture sweeney todd merrily did sunday in the
1: park with george i remember that i've saw a lot of pictures sundays in the park with george Mm
0: -hmm. into the woods assassins passion and roadshow which is like
1: 2008 and that was the last thing he did
0: Yeah, but then there's, like, film adaptations of his shows. So we have a To Be Confirmed Merrily We Roll Along film that he was involved in. Cool. And then uh, a lot of shows where he did, like, a lot of the music for it. Yeah. So there's a show called I Know My Love, and he did the arrangement of some of the songs. A lot of shows include some of his music... Uh, There's a show called Candid, which he didn't write the music for, but he did new lyrics for when he worked on it. It's, like, very interesting. And then in 2007, he did the music for a a production of King Lear. Nice. Which is very cool. Yeah. And then loads of stuff in TV. Like, he has been in The Simpsons a whole bunch of times. Tick, tick, boom. He
1: features in that, which we will be covering in
0: 2022.
1: Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Obviously, the fact that West Side Story was his second—that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And it was night; it came out in 1957, so that's where I got the dates confused. Mm-hmm. But yes, I would certainly say from his list up there as ones I love, certainly, and I think favorites. Sweeney Todd—I I know a lot of the songs to that one, and I love singing it. Yeah, into the woods was fantastic, but I really like Gypsy as well. Mm-hmm. What and come I mean. I don't think anything I've seen I've I've not disliked. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite? Because you're far more
0: probably into the woods. Into the woods. Yeah, I love that show. But I think
1: you really like the kind of meta narrative as well. To
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely my kind of my kind of comedy. So, so
1: West Side Story. Now this film version was supposed to be released a year ago, mm-hmm. but it was obviously delayed. Yes. It's been untouched since the 60s as a film. But what's its history like on stage? 1957. Does it have a lot of success onwards? Because I, I yeah. can't remember the last time I saw a production of this even advertised in London, you know?
0: I believe the last time we had a West End revival was the 90s. Blimey. But since then... Yeah. So we had... The original Broadway production tried out in Washington and Philadelphia at the beginning of uh, 1957, then opened at the Winter Garden Theatre in September of 1957. Really positive reviews, really, really uh, positive cast. They had the same cast for a really long time because of how well they were doing. They did 732 performances. Wow. Closed on June 27th of 1959. And they had uh, Cheetah Rivera playing Anita, Carol Lawrence as Maria. These are not going to mean anything to you, but
1: <laughs> yeah, but I've, I I recognise the name Cheetah Rivera.
0: Yeah, the last time we talked about her was uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman.
1: Okay, that's I know we talked about her this year. Was... She
0: is also in Tick Tick Boom. Cool. Everyone is in Tick Tick Boom. Oh yeah, because basically. it's a love Lynn letter. Lynn was like, "Hey guys, who do I have the phone number of?" Yeah, so then we have, I'm going to try and run through this as quickly as possible. 1958 West End, 1959 US Tour, 1960 Broadway Revival, 1964 Broadway Revival, 1974 West End Revival, 1980 Broadway, 1984 West End, 1985 US Tour, 1995 US Tour, then 98 West End, 2009 Broadway Revival, 2010 US Tour, and then 2020 supposed to have. Yeah. Broadway revival. Which is a shame.
1: Yes, cuz the 2020 revival had 78 previews and 24 performances. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at it loosely.
0: Yep. Because... And they cut the show down yeah. with the 2021 so that they didn't have to do an intermission and they cut one of my favorite songs.
1: But what I'm also seeing is that there's a huge element of modernizing like they had big screens and cast carried iPhones. Mm-hmm. Now one of the questions I was going to ask you is west side story a a story that is of its time and has to stay within that time period so we talked about it with white christmas it kind of has to be of its time you know it's it's set against the backdrop of the end of world war 2 and then 10 years after mm-hmm. you can't really change that Does West Side Story have to be set in the same time? Or can you modernise this story? Because gang culture hasn't gone away, unfortunately. You could
0: easily modernise this story. And you'll see when we watch it, a lot of the themes that come up over and over again are themes that are also in more modern musicals and are also themes that are brought up in film and TV all the time because the world has not changed in the last hundred years or so.
1: Because there's been, I've seen two trailers, because I think there are only ever two trailers for this, this one that we're going to watch. Yeah, the marketing for this has been poor.
0: Weirdly lacking marketing for for this show, which is probably why it's not making a great deal of money, so far as I'm aware. But
1: It's interesting, you've got two films, both released in the same month, both had very weird marketing. And the fact, that Spider-Man is like the third best opening ever, not just in a pandemic, but ever, it's open. It's got a better opening than Infinity War does. Yeah,
0: but I think they're non-comparable because the target audience for
1: is very Spider
0: Man is people who are willing to get sick and go to the theater,
1: which is very very different, isn't it? No, I, I, I agree. And I'm not but, saying
0: there's anything wrong with going but, to the cinema if you're being safe, but the I think overwhelming uh,
1: the majority of people probably going to go see West Side Story are older and possibly more at risk. Yeah. I'd agree. So we
0: all stayed at home.
1: No, (laughs) I I, I I agree. But it it is interesting though, isn't it? That you've got two films both releasing in the same month. One of which is doing exceptionally well. The other, not.
0: Well, that's the other thing. Like you say, West Side Story, the... I like West Side Story well enough, right? I greatly adore Sondheim in all formats, but... This is the kind of show that if you said to my grandparents and their friends, oh, name like a couple of musicals that you like, West Side Story is always going to be one that they mention because it's the one that came out, the the big film that came out and everyone wanted to be Natalie Wood. Like my nan, I remember her talking about Natalie Wood and being like, She's amazing. Yeah. I love her. She was beautiful. She was glamorous. I'm pretty sure my nan took up smoking because of her. <laughs> because like the glamour of yeah. cigarettes around the time. Mm-hmm. And that's how people felt about this movie is that like she like she's so beautiful. We want to be her. And the story is so tragic and it's like gorgeous. And it's like, you know, the Baslam and Romeo and Juliet. The reaction people had to that where everyone was like, is it Claire Danes that's in that? Everyone was like, oh my God, she's gorgeous. I want to be her. She's an icon, you know? Whereas, so that that audience aren't the audience that are then going to go and see a remake with a bunch of teenagers they don't know in it. And especially that audience are not going to go and see a version where they have cast actual actors of colour in yeah. these roles and because that of, was the issue in that it would
1: and one of the things i've heard about this that i i think is phenomenal and i can't wait to see how it actually uh, happens in execution is the fact that there are no subtitles yes when are they speaking spanish i don't i don't know what language because i don't know the ethnicity of the group I don't know if they're the Jets or the Sharks, but I've seen that there's no subtitles when they are speaking non-English.
0: Well, so they are speaking Spanish. The majority of the Sharks are Puerto Rican. Okay, cool. And Steven Spielberg said when he was making the film that out of respect for the Puerto Rican community, he did not want to subtitle the Spanish scenes because enough of the characters in this film we told to speak English, yeah, and are told, no, you're in America now. Got to speak our language. Got to speak English. And he wanted to highlight that. That's very and be cool. Be like, look, you don't know their language either. Yeah, like suck it up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know. No, I think it's gone. I think it, I, I'm excited to see how that uh, works in practice. Yeah.
0: So, when they made the original film,
1: yeah, was it always Puerto Ricans, or was there ever? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I, I feel like I'd read somewhere that it was maybe Jewish vibes, like they're like Holocaust survivors. No. Okay, so it's always been Puerto Ricans. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's super interesting.
1: Yeah, maybe it's just something I've picked up wrong over the years.
0: So, <laughs> that's the word, not Puerto Rican. <laughs> Very white. Russian, in fact,
1: doesn't surprise me from a film in nineteen sixties
0: no, and they cast her because they wanted her to be in their next film, and they didn't care what it was because that's how old Hollywood worked, yeah, yeah.
1: You know? and I guess you know, and I know for a fact that obviously there are problems like with it as you know because of glee, the fact that Leah Michelle was i say Leah Michelle Rachel Berry. Let's not get the character confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Rachel Berry wanted to be the role because it was a role she identified with and was like, oh, but I have it's the not same... even
0: in that episode. Going back to like the first couple of episodes of Glee, uh, they're doing... I mm. actually don't know what song they're doing, but he gives the, the solo to Tina and Rachel has a hissy fit because, oh, any Maria songs go to me. Yeah. And they're all like, chill out. Well, this
1: is it. And obviously, you know... Santana and Mercedes stand their grounds and stand up and be like, whoa, hmm. no.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which was nice. I mean, if you're actually going to do They never
0: it... brought that up in the episode. They never brought up the racial issues.
1: Did they not? Okay, no, It like, was all always... Mandela effect, isn't it, of misremembering things?
0: No, I believe the issue in the episode was they didn't want to... Or Mercedes says, (laughs) we're talking about Glee a lot. Mercedes has a line where she says, why is it that nobody ever wants to hurt her feelings about Rachel? (laughs) It's like, because people who make this show are obsessed with her. (laughs) That's why. and That's it. But yeah, so Natalie, they cast Natalie Wood to play Maria uh, because they wanted Natalie Wood. However, she doesn't sing in this film. Oh, wow. It's Marnie Nixon.
1: Of uh, My Fair Lady fame.
0: Of literally everything at the time well, fame, because she is a phenomenal singer.
1: Like you've said, Spielberg has done a good job casting this film mm-hmm. to be much more appropriate. Yes, and we, we have, have the
0: wonderful Rachel Ziegler in her mm-hmm. feature film debut. Yes,
1: who I also saw has been cast as Snow White for the live-action Disney. I think yeah, that's I that. absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of her YouTube stuff. I don't know her as a person or what she's about, which is quite nice. I can just see her as Maria.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have Ariana DeBose mm-hmm. from The Prom and Bullet Girl in Hamilton. Yes, I don't know who she plays. Maybe it's not going to
0: matter if I tell you because you're not going to know who that character.
1: If it's is. Romeo and Juliet, is she? She's not old enough to be Rachel Ziegler's mother. Because I, I I don't think she'd be the nurse. Maybe she's the insert she nurse character. She
0: functionally fills the role of nurse. Nurse. In that, based on when this is set, Maria cannot live on her own. Yeah. As a young woman. She has a child. You know, well, she's 18, I think.
1: I also saw a poster with Shrek on it.
0: By Shrek, you mean Brian, Brian Doss, Doss James. James. Yeah, he is in this. He's playing Officer Krupke. Police Officer. I assume so. Yep, that's all I've got to say about that. We have Mike Faced, who you will know from both Newsies and Dear Evan Hansen, because he was the original Connor Murphy in Dear Evan Hansen, and he is Morris in Newsies. He's one of the the newsboys.
1: Was he Connor in the film then? No. Oh, okay. Okay. I assumed you said I'd know that because I'd have seen him.
0: No, oh, I've shown you clips of him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Funnily enough, his um, first professional acting job was in White Christmas. Nice. Yeah. Always fun. So we also have Ansel Elgort. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Playing Tony.
1: And Tony's the Romeo.
0: Yes. So too much. Um, controversy. Yeah. Ansel Elgort was cast in this um because of a sexual assault allegation in 2020. He denied it. However, the the sort of issue felt came about because the woman at the time of their relationship, which he claimed to be legal and entirely consensual, um, was 17 and he was 20. I don't know about (laughs) anyone else, but I have my own thoughts.
1: Yeah, this is it. Presumably, they'd have filmed this by the time the allegations came out. Yeah. If it was 2020, the allegations came out.
0: That was kind of the commentary that came up around this. was like, okay, they had already filmed this. He'd already been cast. But he is featured so heavily in all of their adverts for this and in all of the marketing. Like, yeah. more than anybody else, really. And so people were like, that's a really weird choice because all your marketing happened after the allegations came out. Anyway, I digress. I digress. You probably know him best from Divergence.
1: Never seen the Divergent series.
0: The Fault on Our Stars. Never seen it. It's not worth your time. I'm not. He's injured. in the 2013 Carrie. He's Tommy not Ross. not seen that either.
1: Um, So again, I
0: guess um, (laughs) like
1: Rachel Ziegler, I won't have seen him, so he will just be Tony to me. I
0: guess Baby Driver.
1: No, I've seen Baby Driver. I love Edgar Wright, but I've not seen Baby Driver. Yeah,
0: that film looks really strange to me. Anyways,
1: Uh, the choreography in this is done by Justin Peck, Mm -hmm. who did the choreography for the twenty eighteen revival of Carousel. Is that the one that we watched?
0: No, that was the Lincoln Center one that we watched.
1: Fair enough. That's all I was going to say is just the fact that, you know, possibly I've seen something that he's worked on before, but he won a Tony Award for Best Choreography for that revival.
0: Yeah. Well, so the screenplay was adapted for this by Tony Kushner. And then obviously we've got Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim with the music and lyrics.
1: And Tony Kushner is somebody I studied at university for Angels in America.
0: Cool. Which I haven't seen
1: that. Is Which is a play in two parts, very much about the AIDS crisis. Mm. I was desperate a few years ago. There was a version at the National Theatre that had Andrew Garfield in it. Yeah. But the tickets were extortionate and I did not have the money to go. But I'd have loved to because I wanted to see Spider Man
0: mm.
1: in person. I. Tony Cushion is a good writer.
0: shows. Other than that, I know that he's a big, like, gay rights activist.
1: Yeah. I really like Angels in America. It's a heartbreaking play. Yeah.
0: And I know he's done a lot of stuff with Spielberg before.
1: Yes. Yeah, he did Munich, Mm -hmm. which isn't one of Spielberg's best films, but it's okay. He did Lincoln with him, so.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So.
0: This film is considered a box office flop.
1: Which is a shame.
0: Um, it grossed 10 million, or 10.6 million uh, in its opening weekend. It's recently, obviously we're not entirely up to date because we do record these episodes a little bit in advance, but uh, 28.2 million worldwide against its uh, production budget of 100 million, which is a huge financial loss for Disney.
1: Yeah. Not the Disney seem to. Worry. Yeah, they will mean,
0: be fine. They, they
1: will be fine. But that's such a shame. It's like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm not going to hate on movie musicals. We've talked about it with Dear Evan Hansen, but do you think it's not just like a the target demographic? But do you think there is also a little bit of the disillusionment post Cats, post Dear Evan Hansen, that's maybe had an impact?
0: Well, and I think in the post-apocalyptic world that we now live in um to get people to actually physically leave their houses and go to a cinema to see a film you have to incur a lot of hype like the reason why when you said about spider-man the reason why their marketing was so weird was because it made everybody talk about it
1: yeah and the hype got it was more. like
0: where's our trailer have they edited people out of this trailer this is so weird and that's great when you've got like a hundred movies behind it to, I don't know how many Marvel movies there are now, but, and people love Spider-Man and everyone was talking about it. It's like all that people saw and people were taking screenshots of the trailer and trying to break down what was happening.
1: Yeah, all the little YouTube videos on speculation as well. Yeah,
0: And that's what happens when you have a big fandom behind something.
1: West Side Story doesn't have that already.
0: It does in that obviously theatre kids are everywhere and we take over <laughs> any space that we're allowed to give. But this was one that, you know, by the time it was announced, Ansel Elgot controversy had already happened. People were excited to see Rachel Ziegler because of her YouTube fame and because of the following that she gained. But at the same time, people wanted to see her in something new and fresh. And that was about her. Yeah. Because as in Romeo and Juliet, there's a reason why her name comes second. She's not the main character. Everything centres around Romeo all the time. For no discernible reason, he's not the most interesting character in the whole thing. But, you know, she's sort of just here for the ride. We do get a new character in this version, though. We've gained a character because the uh, apothecary character from the stage show and the uh, 60s movie is replaced in this one. He's called Doc and he's replacing this one by a woman named Valentina who was married to Doc. They've killed Doc off in this version. Okay. But she's played by Rita Marino, who was in the original film. And she had the role of Anita which is now Ariana DeBose's role. And she said this was like a really big groundbreaking role for her she thought it was brilliant she was really excited to do this role she won an oscar for best supporting actress in the original film for this role however pre-taking the role of anita she had started to break out into less stereotypical roles because she is hispanic she was being cast in really, really stereotyped roles. And then Gene Kelly got her the role of Zelda in Singing in the Rain. Cool. Yeah. And that was just, she was just cast as that character. There was nothing in that character to do with her race. It was all just, she was this big Hollywood starlet and she's here to cause problems in that film. And off the back of that, she was really excited to be starting to be cast in more a more wider range of roles. Yeah. And she said after West Side Story, she went straight back into being cast in those pigeonholed roles. She said before West Side Story, she was always offered the stereotypical Latina roles. She said she was always barefoot and it was humiliating and embarrassing stuff. But she did it because there was nothing else and it's what she wanted to do. She thought one day she would break out into wide effect. After West Side Story, it was exactly the same thing. A lot of gang stories and nothing changed which is very sad so it's really nice that they have given her a role in this that while actively talking about how she has been pigeonholed for her race she also gets to be sort of a main character in this film yeah more than she was as anita which is going to be interesting to talk about when we've watched it
1: Excellent. Well, this is the longest (laughs) preamble we have ever done.
0: There's a lot of history to talk about with West Side Story. If you're still here, we love you.
1: Yes. So we are now going to head to the cinema. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We are going to uh, watch West Side Story and I hope I come out of it enthused. Mm hmm. I, by the sounds of there's so much good about this one, such great critical response. And I hope that we can add more positivity to a film that is struggling than yeah. maybe it shouldn't be. So we will be back shortly after intermission. Pretty, oh so pretty, I feel pretty and witty and bright, and I pity any girl who isn't me tonight. And we are back. Yes, we have spent an afternoon in America, Mm -hmm. and wow, what a movie. I I really enjoyed that one.
0: Yeah, I thought you would.
1: I I think... I like Spielberg anyway. Mm -hmm. And I especially like with Spielberg films that he doesn't just think about, like, shot composition or, you know, the actual shooting of the action. But he thinks about the colour palettes as well. Mm -hmm. And you see it in Indiana Jones. But you really saw it here that it kind of had, like, a sepia-type tone to the film. And I just loved it because it made me feel like you were watching this classical film. Yeah. Like it felt like an old movie musical, mm-hmm. but obviously very, very modern as well. And I really, really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm certainly not wrong with the Romeo and Juliet parallels. Yeah. Even if it doesn't play out exactly the same way, which is quite nice. Actually, I went into it expecting Basically, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. But not every plot point was hit, mm. which was nice.
0: Did you, and spoilers for, you know, such an old musical at this point, but did you know, going into this, that Maria lives? No. Was that, how did you feel about that when that happened? I,
1: also well, this is really funny. We've
0: jumped right to the end, I'm very yeah, sorry. Yeah, I
1: think we're going to forego our usual, like, scene-by-scene scene breakdown with this one.
0: Yes, because you should go and see this if you have the opportunity to, if it is safe for you to go and see this comfortably, yes. or when it comes to... Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Is that what it's going to be on? Oh, yeah, well, I I, I would guess. assume so, because yeah. it's
1: Disney, so... Uh, and, and it is certainly one of those, if you are on the fence at all, if you're thinking, is it worth going to go see it, maybe you're going to listen to our thoughts, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep it...
0: As spoiler-free as possible, with the knowledge that this musical came out
1: yeah and we'll obviously talk about some plot points and you know some maybe changes that have happened and maybe you can explain some characters to me Mm -hmm. um i know we've had a bit of a conversation on the way back from the cinema about one character that you've done a bit of research about and told me actually this
0: This is is great yeah Yeah."
1: so was i surprised at maria now Mm. when i went into this because i was expecting romeo and Juliet. That therefore leaves the problem of I am going into this film already expecting Tony and Maria to die. I am mm-hmm. also expecting for Maria's brother to die because he's tipped. Yep. I am also expecting. Is it Raff? Riff. Riff. <laughs> Riff. Riff. Raff. <laughs> I am expecting Riff to die because he is Mercutio.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about, so while we were watching it, I was like, if Riff is Mercutio, who is Benvolio in this story?
1: There is no Benvolio.
0: I guess it's anybody's.
1: Yeah, maybe.
0: Because he's here the whole time, like, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: What I like is obviously, you know, your nurse character being Anita Anita is also dating Tybalt. Mm -hmm. Fine. And I like that there's changes there. This doesn't start with a prologue like Romeo and Juliet does. This doesn't foreshadow the ending where we're going to learn. It also doesn't start with a big opening number, which is what you
0: love in a musical.
1: So I thought there's no prologue to this because they expect you to already know. Everyone knows the story of Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. So as a result, I have never at any point in this film... yeah got an emotional connection to tony riff maria or bernardo Mm -hmm. because i know they're gonna die never i'm i'm not interested in their characters i'm not rooting for them i'm not celebrating their successes because i think they're gonna die yeah so when maria doesn't Die at the end. I'm a little taken aback. I was expecting her to do something. Mm-hmm. I was expecting her to die, and right up until the credits started, I was thinking she's going to die. Something's going to happen. Yeah. So that was pretty cool that she didn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a surprise. I'll say that.
0: Yeah. Would you like to know what my my first fun fact of the the episode? Go for it. It's that <laughs> when. Rachel Ziegler got her phone call to say that she'd got the role of Maria. She had literally just started rehearsals for her last musical in her school. Yeah. And she said on the phone to Steven Spielberg, can I please still do my school musical? We're doing Shrek. And he went, yeah, I produced the original Shrek. You can do Shrek.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hold on a sec. Let me put you on to the other person I just cast today. It's Brian Darcy James. Yeah, well. Do you think he went to see their performance of Shrek? Like, did she do Shrek and then go do West Side Story? Well, she was
0: doing both at the same time. So she
1: must have been on the set of West Side Story. She doesn't have any scenes with him, does she? Mm -mm. Oh, that's a shame.
0: It's funny. They would have been there at the same time. Yeah, they've
1: been so cool. She's like, can you come to my high (laughs) school production? (laughs) I, so I I do like the opening. We don't. It, it's not a conventional big opening number, but just the the like whistling in the background, the clicking, the orchestration as everything builds and
0: the building of the Lincoln Center.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting. Which We've watched
0: a lot of shows live from the Lincoln Center now, and I have anyway. I've Company we
1: we saw from the Lincoln Center
0: and it. I I had never thought about before. And I know that's the point of this, this whole, this being here is that like this hub of arts and culture and musical theater was built on people's actual houses that they tore down and then kicked everybody out. And do
1: you think that's part of why Sondheim felt the need to write this? Is it's like, if the arts are going to prosper here, the arts need to tell the story of the people that lost out
0: yeah well so steven spielberg said in an interview about this that first of all he's wanted to remake west side story since he saw it as a child which (laughs) is very cool that
1: is the cutest thing in the world Yep.
0: but he said divisions between unlike-minded people are as old as time itself and the divisions between the sharks and the jets in 1957 which inspired the musical were profound But they weren't as divided then as we find ourselves today. It turned out in the middle of the development for the script of the new movie that things had widened, which sadly made the story of these racial divides, not just territorial divides, more relevant to today's audience than maybe it was in the 50s. Which is both true and really scary to think
1: about. Yeah, I also learned that Spielberg has dedicated this to his father... Yeah. who died at 103 in 2020, so never got to see the finished film, unfortunately. Mm. But I wonder if maybe that's a childhood thing yeah. that him and his dad shared.
0: However, Stephen Sondheim did get to see yes. the final version of And the that version. makes
1: me very, very happy that he will have seen the final cut of this.
0: Yes, and he said he prefers this version to the 60s. Oh, really? One,
1: yeah. Wow. Well, he was there on set quite yep. a lot, so he got to see it being made. Apparently he was SS1. And mm-hmm. Spielberg was SS2, mm-hmm. which, like, obviously, it's not place, Spielberg. But, yeah, but you know <laughs> what I mean, right? This is Spielberg's film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's why I always like his films. He comes across as such a nice, genuine person that he's a fan of the films he makes and he never believes his own hype. He's still humble. Yeah. At least that's how he's presented.
0: This film has five former Billy Elliots in it. Nice. It has uh, members of both the Sharks and the Jets, which is super interesting and it kind of funny.
1: also has the beautiful irony. Mm-hmm. to go back to our earlier point about the Lincoln Center. It had its world premiere at the Lincoln Center, mm-hmm. the Rose Theatre, which is a little on the nose, I guess, But yeah. like yeah, I think as an opening to this world it's atmospheric enough yeah you know you've got them coming up from the building site they're hiding in the gutters they're coming up with paint the attitude that they have as they walk through and they're gathering more more people to join the group of jets they're gathering paint and they walk into uh the west side and they start encountering the puerto ricans and you can taking
0: t- signs down and, and taking
1: signs down, but you can also sense that there's a weird respect for some of the Puerto Ricans.
0: Yeah.
1: Like the the elders, they won't they, they will step out of the out of the way for the elders. But then there's others they don't have this respect for. Mm. And you do, you see them taking down signs, and you see them, and there's this huge mural of the Puerto Rican flag yep. that they start defacing, mm. which is horrible. Yeah. And I think is a it's a really, really interesting way to start this film. Mm-hmm. And you obviously have this huge riot, so you know, they are disturbing the peace. And this yeah. whole sequence is great. One of the things I find really interesting about this film is Whose Side Are You On? Because films like this, where you do have your two gangs typically ask you to pick a side yes and i mean again to make a silly connection to the mcu you're either team tony or team cap right mm-hmm. you're you're <laughs> one of those is the correct answer you One are... of them is not <laughs> yeah you are you are on roger's side i am stark side but that's interesting we can debate that safely
0: there's a whole episode about that
1: but i don't want to be i certainly don't want to be on the jet side because what they do is so racially motivated but isn't it interesting because how many people go and and when it comes to when it comes to seeing yourself on screen me as a white male
0: yeah we're supposed to feel white guilt over this yeah I, i think that as we are both you know white people we are supposed to feel like we're in the wrong here yeah
1: which is why we're supposed to, I guess, have Tony as the... In- no, they are completely. Tony is, I guess, supposed to be our insert character in the sense of Tony... He's
0: so apathetic to the whole thing. Yeah, but... Like, there's a line way later on where Bernardo says to him, oh, you think that just because you got out of prison, you nearly killed a guy, you have got out of prison... And now you think you're going to change your whole life around because you like one brown
1: girl. Yeah.
0: Like that, suddenly that makes you a better person. It doesn't. It just makes you an idiot. Right. And like, he's right.
1: <laughs> he is. And this is it. Is Are we supposed to see Tony as our insert character? Because he was on the verge of a racially motivated killing.
0: I think we're supposed to be on, like, Maria, I guess, is our insert yeah. character. But then obviously... It's not our place to say that because we are white people. But I do,
1: I think it was certainly very interesting that, Other films I've seen with this kind of mentality is you've got that pick-a-side mentality. Mm -hmm. You don't have that here. But again, I think this comes down to the idea that you are not supposed to emotionally invest in these characters. I think that you are supposed to be watching this as a platform or a conduit for change. Mm -hmm. That this is wrong. And this resulted in deaths that could have been avoided. Certainly, I will say this. There's decisions throughout the film, especially at the end... I do not want to be a jet. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be part of that group.
0: No, God. Because it's what they suck. do at the
1: end towards Anita is disgusting and horrible.
0: Well, and everything up to that point, really the only... And I can't, I can't really remember if it was more in the old version or in the stage version but like this movie is 3 minutes longer than the 50s uh, than the 60s movie.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm pretty sure it's just the credits, but you know. And we don't really learn anything about any of the jets other than Riff, Tony and Anybody's.
1: Yeah. And even Anybody's, anybody's is not really, really a jet. learn much <laughs> yeah. about.
0: Yeah. And it's like that's its own whole thing that we are going to talk about in a minute, but so you're kind of just like idiot teenagers what are you doing and then when the uh sexual assault attempt happens towards the end of the movie you're like oh i don't care about these guys anymore i hope you all die but this
1: is it because the only th- the only time that i feel like oh being a jet is cool being a jet is gonna be fun is when they do officer kripke
0: officer kripke yeah. yeah when
1: they have that song it's the most fun they have
0: mm-hmm.
1: But even then, I don't know any of these characters enough. They all seem pretty nameless to me.
0: Yeah,
1: you know that they're, they're all just they're all just white boys with black hair and jackets exactly on. You the know same, what I mean? So which is
0: such a, um, I, I think it's an issue because especially because one of the things that was said in advance of this film was that they wanted to get away from the mistakes made in the original one, which were that the costumes were very samey and for the, for the Jets anyway, costumes were pretty samey and all of these boys kind of look the same. They don't have anyone that stands out particularly. Yeah. And they, they're all named characters, but I could not tell you who any of them are other than those three that I know. I
1: could only tell you, certainly, Tony, Raff. Riff. <laughs> and i i'm aware of anybody's i'd forgotten their name mm-hmm. until you'd said it yeah but i couldn't tell you anyone else in the same way though that i would argue that the sharks are just as just as difficult to define i know we. But is
0: that an issue that comes from but i think... just suddenly thought, actually, that's the same in Romeo and Juliet, isn't yeah, I think it? I can it is... only name three we, we on need, each side. We need
1: a gang ensemble. We need the gang mentality. We don't necessarily need to know who all these characters are. Yeah,
0: because we have Romeo, Tony, Mercutio, Riff, yeah. and Benvolio, anybody's, in Pate- this yeah. version. Yes. And then... Uh,
1: You've got Tybalt, who is Bernardo. Bernardo. You've Got. And
0: then Paris, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, he's Paris, but Paris is never a Capulet. So I thought that was an interesting change because we have... Yeah,
0: but have...
1: he's not. I know he isn't. So this is it. We have Chino, who is on the outside mm. of the 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 sharks.
0: Yeah.
1: But wants to be part of them. But Bernardo is saying, no, you stay aside.
0: No, you're too smart for this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because you are better than this. And then you have Anita, who is the nurse. Mm. And then you have Maria, who is Juliet. Yeah. So it is interesting. But I don't feel like we ever have... I This is it. I, I, I genuinely feel that the film tries to position you more so from the perspective of the Jets. We see far more scenes with the Jets than we do the Sharks. Yes. Which is weird that we are we're trying to be aimed from their position... But it's kind of like the T-Birds in Grease 2.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to be part of their gang. I don't want to be part of their...
0: I don't want to be part of the T-Birds in the original Greece. They're exactly the same. No. They're all pretty rapey.
1: I, I agree. But it's worse. It's worse in Greece 2. Mm. So it's, it, it's interesting. But I think it does go back to the earlier point of I don't think you are supposed to necessarily root for characters because you know enough to suspect this is Romeo and Juliet and the body count will be high. Yeah. So you should not be investing in these characters because you know what's going to happen. This isn't like it's an original story. Yeah. So I think it actually works quite favourably for this to go about it in that manner. Yeah. And I liked that. I think it's very, very interesting to stay. you know, you, the, 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 I think the film positions you as an observer more so than anything else. It's not that you're here as a character. You were here to observe. Absolutely. And that's what I like. You don't get enough films where where you're placed in that position. Maybe we're supposed to be uh, Officer... Krabke. Krabke, you know, that I could have done more and I'm trying. Maybe, maybe that is who our character is. I want to stop this and I want to make these boys better men. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying, but they just don't understand. Because this is it, even even the chief, is it um, Corey Stoll, who plays Lieutenant Shrank. Yeah. Even with him, I don't like him, and I don't because he's got that s- secret racism, doesn't he? Because he says to the, the, the Jets early on, it's like, listen, because he keeps saying to the Sharks, speak English, which yeah. is uncomfortable. But then when they've left after the initial riot, he says to the, the Jets, Rumble, who's yeah.'" Who's going to talk to me? Because I don't want you to get in trouble. I was one of you once, but I grew up to become a better person in this society. You are the dregs who got left behind. Don't be like your fathers, who are men I grew up with.
0: Yeah. And they're all like, get lost. You're the man now. But like.
1: But even him with his like racism, you you can't be him. I think the best person to be in this is Officer Krupke. Like he is our insert character. Mm -hmm. Maybe. At a push. Yeah. So,
0: anybody's.
1: Yeah, talk to... So, there was... You You popped to the toilet. <laughs> I know, I missed
0: the one scene that I was, like, waiting for. So, this
1: is before we actually, ironically, get Officer Krupke, the, the song. Yeah. And we've seen at the end of the rumble, there's one jet who's kind of dragging behind. And keeps being, like, told yeah. to shove off home. So, when they get there to the the... the I guess jail cell it's not a jail cell because it's 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 just like the, the, the police, station. police station that's it that's the word i wanted they're told to sit on the girl's side and i was like huh because they, they they
0: anybody's uses he him
1: perhaps. he he is male presenting
0: yes and uh is wearing a binder
1: yes and then the rest of the Jets say an incredibly transphobic thing, mm-hmm. saying that we've sinned down your pants, you've got nothing there. And I was like, is this character trans? Yeah. Or is this character a girl that is sticking around with them? I, I, but it's never made clear. So I said to you, and I, I said to you at the end when we came out, it's like, I feel potentially uncomfortable on this. I don't know what they were going for.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and that's a good point because if you... You haven't seen the original one. No. We go into this blind, I don't tell Danny anything about these shows before we watch them. Anybody's in the original movie, in the script of the stage show, is a tomboy who wants to be a jet. Yes. And they're all like, shove off home, girl. We don't let girls into our gang. Yeah, And she's expected to act like... The rest of the Jet girls, which is like girlfriends of Jets.
1: Yes. Who we see. We see a couple of, yeah.
0: And they're very feminine presenting and very of the time. Yes. And anybody's isn't like that. And dresses like the Jets do, but in like a she has stolen these clothes from her friends and her brothers and like stuff like that. Yeah. When they were making this version, they took one look at anybody's story, and were like, this kid is trans. Like, that's the only way that this makes sense. And so they cast Boris Meneus, a non-binary actor who was previously Joe in Jagged Little Pill, and then became a ensemble cast member in Jagged Little Pill, which Feel free to Google the controversy surrounding that. Yeah,
1: you told me a little bit about that as we were leaving the cinema as well.
0: Yeah, and when they auditioned for Spielberg and Sondheim, they both agreed immediately that, yes, this is the perfect casting they wanted to make it really clear that anybody's was a trans character. And they didn't care who wouldn't want to watch this film. They didn't care if it couldn't be shown in some countries because of having a trans character in their film, they just were like, that is true to who this character is and that's how we're going to represent them. Which is awesome. Very nice. But yeah, the... um, if If you didn't know that in advance, like, I'm not surprised that your reaction was, wait, is this character trans? Because while it is really good representation... To have this trans character who is trying really hard to be one of the boys. There's really no acceptance that comes from it. We have sort of one line at the end where they're like, you did all right, kid. (laughs) We're like, yeah, because your friend's dead now. You'll be happy with anything. And I don't see how Tony dying has suddenly led to you being okay with a trans kid. Yeah, But anyway, this... It's such positive representation to have this non-binary actor playing this fantastic trans character.
1: Yeah, so there's an interview published a few days ago on cinemablend.com with Zem. Yep. It definitely was a very profound moment to me as well and I felt like everyone on set could really feel that and really gave their attention to that moment, cast and crew alike, and just met me right to where I was for that moment. It was so beautiful in a way because as trans people, let's be honest, the trans community is not at the moment unfortunately accepted. There's obviously violent attacks against the trans community currently that we've seen rise in the last year and a half especially and to feel seen and dropped in and have anybody seen at a time when the trans people Weren't even part of the conversation widely. I could feel my trans and queer ancestors before me or with me in that moment, just feeling seen in that moment. It was truly a life changing experience.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, I do think it's a really, having spoken about it after, I appreciate the moment more, mm. you know, to just have, and I, I was, I, I guess it's good that I felt uncomfortable because because of the
0: way that they're treating him yeah
1: exactly and i was like right i'm definitely not on board with these transphobic characters Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and i think it is
0: but again it's just more of the i don't know what it is but like i i vividly remember (sighs) maybe i misremember but like as a kid being like oh you're either a shark or you're a jet which side are you on Yeah, in like in conversation with people, you know, musical theater people, and I hadn't seen it when we were having this conversation, and I was (laughs) like, "Well, what are the what are the tropes of each side? You know, is it like Hogwarts houses? Like, what do I gain from being on each side?" And really, your options are uh, abused, underprivileged immigrants, or racists. And I know, I like. I'm not I'm not gonna be on the racist side here. Yeah. So you are you want the sharks to do well because of how much you hate the
1: Jets. This is it, and especially because there's a really nice thing that Bernardo says.
0: Mm.
1: And I can't remember, I'm gonna paraphrase it, but it's something I really liked is Chino wants to join the gang, and he says do you think we want to be part of this gang? It's stupid, but we don't have anything and we have to be strong to defend ourselves and where we live.
0: Yeah, because otherwise they'll take it from us. And
1: so this is the thing is, at least with Bernardo's attitude and the Sharks as a whole... It's very self-aware. It is, and the Sharks are like, we don't want to do this, mm. but it's all we have.
0: Yeah, and we get a couple where of bits I... with Anita where Anita is like, you're all thugs. yeah. And you're all idiots, but even she can't argue with this, like...
1: Whereas the Jets just want just want to kick them off their land. Yeah, they you really know? have
0: nothing else to do. So
1: this is, I would say in that sense, the Sharks are the better ones. In terms of the plot, we've obviously got a very, very basic plot. It's Romeo and Juliet. It is Romeo and Juliet. You, you, the, you, you have this dance at the high school.
0: Yeah, it's at the gym.
1: And it's the first time that they've all been invited...
0: Yes, it's a, an integrated dance yes. and there are some teachers that are trying to, I guess teachers or like community officers, yeah. trying to get everybody to dance together. So they do, uh, I can't remember what they say the dance is called, but they stand boys in a circle and the outside girls on a circle on the inside. And, and when we say
1: stop, you dance with whoever's in front of you.
0: Yeah, and they stop and Anita is next to Riff and Riff's girlfriend, whose name escapes me, is next to bernardo Mm -hmm. and they stop and they look at each other and then bernardo just
1: cuts in front of riff and goes
0: straight back to anita and so they're dancing together
1: and i like the way that functions as you know the capulet's ball yeah and the moment the moment i think where tony first sees maria maria first sees tony the way it's shot is beautiful You feel that instant romance. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, my life now has meaning. Like you've been lost in the gravity of this moment. Teenage emotion, you know, like... Not necessarily real love, but the teenage emotion of love. Oh
0: my God, who is that across the room? I will say, the one thing I really appreciate with West Side Story that they did away with is uh, Romeo having been in love with Rosalind. Yeah. Especially because... Riff's girl, Graziella, she used to go with Tony, but now she's with Riff because Tony was in prison. And it's like a, she, she maybe still kind of likes Tony, but she's not that fast. Yeah. Because it's all like, you know, teenager stuff. So she if is effectively Rosalind. However, she's not important. Tony was no. not in love with her. And I'm so glad they did away with that because yeah. that always made me... Really angry in Romeo and Juliet. It's dumb.
1: Oh, yeah, because it undermines the whole romance of it anyway. But yeah, you have this nice moment where they come together and obviously you then have the the same Tybalt is angry. You have dishonoured me by looking at my sister.
0: Well, especially because not just looking at your well, sister. They're
1: hiding behind the bleachers and kissing.
0: Tony's an idiot. Yeah. But they were unchaperoned yes. together. They could have been doing anything back there and... Bernardo's Bernardo's assumption of what these white guys are like is that they are rapists. And he's not wrong. No. But this guy had unchaperoned time with his little sister. So immediately he's like, get away from
1: her. And there's obviously a huge element of it being patriarchal nonsense.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because he... Oh, we have a conversation where Maria talks about how before she came to New York to live with Bernardo because he was here for years before yes. she came. She was with her father and she they got along just fine. It was all fine. But now Bernardo feels like he's the man of the house. He has to protect her from these white men. Yeah. Which is a load of patriarchal nonsense, but is kind of understandable with what we know about the Jets in this film.
1: Yeah. Ex- I mean, it'd
0: be better if he just explained that to her, but...
1: This know. is It, it is... He obviously goes about things the wrong way, but Bernardo seems like a much more noble character than anyone else in this argument, in this skirmish. You know, he is at least leading his group with the right intentions. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But yeah, I, I really like Anita's character as well. You know, I think her moments with Maria, but her moments with Bernardo are both really good. Yeah. So that when you do have the heartbreak at the end with Bernardo's death, but also her doing favours and, you know, for Maria, knowing full well that Maria's going to have to go because she can't be as part of this community Mm. to...
0: Because they won't accept her.
1: Especially because she'll be with her brother's killer. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact, you know, and what she goes through at the end with the Jets is awful. But I I, I love her character just, you know, especially because her arc is just she's she's at her peak. She's working hard. She enjoys the land of opportunity, which we get with America, which the, the choreography and is beautiful. She makes
0: dresses for everybody. Yeah. She's making all the girl other girls' dresses and obviously making some money off of it. Yeah, that. she's
1: such a wonderful character. Like even then, she she will talk to Bernardo about like what you're doing is nonsense. Mm-hmm. She will empower Maria to be like, if you want to wear this or have your hair in a certain style, I'll, you know, I'll back you. Yep. But she's also trying to be do the right thing. So at the end, when she does lie and say, Maria's dead, it's this a moment. But that's because she's lost everything at yeah. this point. And you I,
0: understand where her character's coming from. Yeah.
1: And I think uh, Ariana DeBose does an amazing job. Mm. Like, vocally, uh, with the dance, and just becoming this character. Like, she's the character I feel the m- most sympathy with through everything. Yeah. It's not Maria. Maria's a great character, and I really liked uh, Rachel Ziegler. Mm-hmm. I loved her performance. But I think...
0: Well, we love Ariana DeBose, and we said when she was in the prom and Hamilton, we were like, we really hope her career keeps growing and growing. Yes. And obviously it has. And I hope it keeps growing, because she's
1: fantastic. <laughs> she is. But this is it. With Maria, it's just, it, it's like teenage girl that's in love with the first person she sees. Mm-hmm. It's always a little bit silly.
0: I have so many issues.
1: (laughs) But I really... At least she's 18
0: here. But if you think... Really think about Maria's trajectory... Because again... The same as Romeo and Juliet. This takes place over about 48 hours. Yeah. She meets this guy at a party. She goes on a date with him... Where he is like... Oh no. He stalks her back to her house. Magically finds where she lives... Then they go on a date together the next day where he's like, just so you know, I once almost killed a guy because I'm a racist, but I'm changed now. It's fine.
1: And hey, let's get married. And, and then,
0: then p- they sing this song about how they they say their wedding vows to each other. Fortunately, they don't actually get married in this version, but there are some loaded prejudice comments about that later on as well. Yeah. And then... In the space of like 12 hours, he promises he won't go to the fight, then goes, sees his friend has a gun, gets into a fight over a loaded gun, nearly dies, shows up at the fight anyway, nearly dies, kills her brother, comes back to her house, they sleep together, then he leaves and gets shot.
1: Yeah, because. And it's
0: like, oh, okay, that escalated very quickly. It is. (laughs) Off you go, child. It I don't, like, It sucks a... for her because she's she literally is doing the thing that we have all done if you are a romantically inclined person where you fall madly in love with your first ever partner and you're like, oh, I would do anything for them. It's so romantic and everything escalates really, really quickly because
1: you're obsessed. But I think there's such a, a lovely, wholesome performance to, to Maria. She's
0: such a sweetheart. And she is. And she's she lot nicer everything. than
1: Juliet. Like, especially when you get I Feel Pretty. Is oh. this really gorgeous sequence and it's fun as well. Like you feel you, you do get that giddiness that new romance brings, you know, that is, you know, if you, if you've never been in love before, that first time you feel something spark that, yeah, that first spark. And even if it's the third time you've been in love, but the first time you felt that spark, since a previous breakup Mm. i think i feel pretty captures that so well
0: yeah something that people talked about a lot after this movie came out which is so recent but something that was talked about a lot is that there is a reason why more recent adaptations cut i feel pretty because it functioned as kind of a time waster song yes you It's very cute and sweet, but how do you stage it? And this version, I think, did such a good job of making it so clear how Maria is feeling, how everybody else perceives her, who are around her. Like, they'll see her as this silly little girl. But also with the backdrop of they're at Gimbal's, I think, doing the cleaning of this place where she will never be able to afford to buy clothes from. You know? And it really just puts it all into perspective while she's singing this song. And it was very, very well done. Yeah. What did you think of the balcony scene? Um, Obviously a huge part of Romeo and Juliet.
1: I thought it was just okay.
0: Yeah. Well, so the original West Side Story art...
1: Is the balcony.
0: Yeah, it's the balcony with the silhouettes of the two... Up there, but it's just like little red. It's a really yeah. nice
1: poster. It is a gorgeous poster. It's like, I the get I can't, silhouettes can't of
0: the characters dancing on the scaffolding.
1: I'll tell you what it is. I think, A, in the heights, did this scene better this year?
0: yeah, with they dance on the wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I also just think Tony is so boring.
0: He really is. And it's got nothing to do with Ansel Elgore. And, like I heard I read in an interview that he sang live when he sang Maria climbing up the scaffolding and everything. Good for him that's great, but you could cast anybody as Tony. he's such a bland character, he's so uninteresting, he doesn't even have the good decency to stick to his guns on anything, like everything he promises to do he goes back on at least once,
1: yeah,
0: it's ridiculous, and really the only interesting thing about him is his relationship with valentina yeah because valentina is introduced to sort of counter tony maria here because she is a puerto rican woman who married a white man and was shunned by her community for it she says that the white people don't see her as white enough and her own people don't see her as being Puerto Rican enough. They call her a traitor yeah. in this film.
1: And I really liked having Rita Marino in this role. I mm-hmm. think this is the perfect kind of callback, cameo type thing. We've talked about it with Wicked. Cast Kristen Chenoweth as Madame Morrible.
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
1: You know, and that's enough. You know, because Rita Marina was also one of the film's executive producers. Mm -hmm. She was on set for a large portion of the production. She worked with Justin Peck on the choreography. Yeah. You know, did a huge amount. I'm going to talk about something else a little later when we get to something towards the ending. But I think it was phenomenal having her in this role. And the way they reworked the role to have it be...
0: Not dark
1: yeah Mm -hmm. but just into i meant reworked it in a way to have it be like this mentor you know and and the fact that it isn't a white man guiding tony through his remorse and trying to lead him to be a better person but also somebody who they themselves
0: have gone through this have
1: gone through the 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 highs and lows of a mixed race marriage yeah it's all well and good for Tony to be like, oh yeah, well, everything's okay. It'll be different for me. It's not. And to have the adult be like, this is tough. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will support you, but you need to understand, don't go into this light handed. And I really liked her performance. And yeah. Like the she moment...
0: sang, um, a, there's a place for us. Somewhere. Which isn't
1: usually, mm-hmm. I would guess it's not like, say, who usually sings that? Cause it's a different person in the trailer.
0: I believe it's Rachel Ziegler in the trailer. Yeah. In the original 90, 1961 film, Tony and Maria sing it together. Okay. In the stage show, it's sung by an ensemble member. And then in this version, it's Valentina. But the same in this one as in the stage show, Maria sings a couple of lines of it. Okay. As Tony yeah. dies.
1: Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, It sounds
0: gorgeous. It's just really sad. And because of where it happens, you're like, this is tragic.
1: One of my favourite sequences. Yes. Is the cool sequence. The one with the gun.
0: Oh, yeah. Cool.
1: I thought that was tremendous.
0: Oh, Uh, this was one of the first scenes we talked about after coming out of the cinema because i
1: felt so anxious watching the whole it.
0: time we were both just sat there like
1: <laughs> but it was so so well captured
0: so riff gets his gun
1: and one of the things as well that he gets his gun and then as they storm out before they bump into tony they're playing guns like they're cops and robbers with each other and just like these are boys they with shouldn't be having that it.
0: the guy who he gets the gun off is like this specific type of gun he tells him some things about it like how many bullets it holds or whatever. Yeah. And then he's like, you don't even have to cock it. You just pull the trigger.
1: Yeah. He doesn't
0: say pull, he's a squeeze, which is always more stressful because that means it's a light touch. Yes. So the fact that they're running around the streets pretending to shoot each other, I was like, somebody's going to get killed. Then obviously Tony shows up and we literally have a little ballet wrestle over the gun.
1: And it's such a well shot, well choreographed sequence. Like, Peck's choreography here is is impeccable mm-hmm. because you feel this tension like this gun could go off at any time. They're also going over like on this this weird pier that's got holes in, so anyone could drop it's at the any docks. time. Like, and it is just it's fun to mm-hmm. watch and it's beautiful to watch, but your heart is like skipping a beat every it time Jace it changes
0: on. hands, every time it's pointed towards somebody.
1: Yeah, I really really enjoyed that as a set piece. Mm-hmm. It may not be like Best Song, but as a set piece, it's phenomenal. The America set piece as well is is just incredible. Yeah. And so obviously we have like the, the swishes of the dress. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot talking about like legacy sequels, you know, with films like in filmmaking nowadays that... There's a lot of sequels or remakes that rely on nostalgia, like Spider-Man is a huge component of that, but so are things like Space Jam and New Legacy. Um And I guess the Hobbit films are legacy sequels because they rely on the nostalgia of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That They don't need to have Legolas actually in the Hobbit trilogy at all, but it's a nod to... It's a nice little nod, yeah. And Spielberg has said that... You know, they're mindful of a lot of Jerome Robbins' choreography from the first film. Yeah. That they reference it. So like with the rumble, for that nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Because that's something for people who grew up. It's, this is that legacy reboot in mind where we're creating mm-hmm. our own new spin on it. But we're going to have references that others see. Yes. One fun fact that I have for you.
0: Mm.
1: America took three days to shoot. Yeah. And Ariana DeBose's dance shoes melted and had to be replaced multiple times, due to a combination of hot weather and the intensity of the choreography. Cool. No, not cool. Quite the opposite not of call. cool.
0: But that is very, very interesting.
1: I liked that sequence, though. I didn't realise it was a back and forth between her and Bernardo. I thought it was just one character singing.
0: Ah, so back to Glee. The in the Glee episode, I always thought it was really funny. When this song is happening in the Glee episode, uh, I think it's Artie. Yeah. It, the boy in the wheelchair. Arty, yeah, Artie. Who directed it and they say, you know, it was a risk to include the Jets in America instead of having Bernardo sing these lines. So they had... um It was like free To do anything you choose was Anita, and then all of the Jets sang Free to Wait Tables and Shine Shoes, and so it's things like mocking
1: that. as opposed to yeah,
0: which is what Bernardo's doing. He but... is mocking her, but it feels more okay coming oh, from yeah, him because he's trying to be realistic. And it's like
1: you can have your head in the clouds, but here's our experience as opposed to yeah, like you'll ever do. Yeah, you that... can. So wait the to... Jets originally sang it,
0: no, no, just in that one version, and okay. I thought that was such a choice, yeah, like it's just like a
1: scary choice yeah, it is a and weird it makes choice. it a
0: lot darker
1: i think the rumble sequence is done very very well
0: i love the shot yeah
1: i love that overhead shot of him coming in and especially <laughs> at the end of the rumble where you have the police thing coming in and you replicate that shot it's really beautiful mm-hmm. but this obviously serves as our uh, uh, curse on both your families you have made worms food of me
0: yes which is replaced by it's okay take it out <laughs> the knife that is sticking out of Riff's chest. This,
1: so this is it. It, it. Obviously we have that same moment that we, despite the fact that Tony has said, no, I'm not going to get involved. He goes, sneaks in, lets Chino in as well. They both help each other. Despite the fact that. They sort of know
0: each other at that point. Yeah. yeah
1: um, but they both know and tony is trying to tony is trying to stop it he's not fighting back he tries to talk out of it. it's like can we talk about it privately no anything you can say says in front of him
0: this is i'm in love with your
1: sister yeah. it escalates there's a few punches that bernardo throws that tony doesn't react to tony eventually then does fight back but then
0: well so tony had this line earlier on when they were at the monastery museum that was I didn't such even a boring sequence. Their date, where they get on the subway. It's, yeah. it's very nice. They have to go on oh, a date. it's great.
1: And it works. I'm not criticising it. But
0: it's... he had this line about how one more punch and he'd have killed the guy. And is that who he is? That's how he's worried. Like, that's what he is on the inside. Yes. And the reason why he isn't punching back at Bernardo is, first of all, he doesn't want to fight him and then he also has the underlying thing of like if we fight i will kill you so by the time that riff intervenes tony's decided he's not fighting yeah and then he only ends up killing bernardo because bernardo kills riff which doesn't really seem like tony cares enough about riff to be involved yes but you know Again, it's just because Tony's not that interesting of a character. Yeah. Everybody else around him yeah. is vastly more interesting.
1: But yeah, so the, the way it then fights, you know, that obviously Riff gets killed.
0: Riff gets stabbed. Tony takes the knife out because Riff tells him to. And Bernardo just lets him stab him. Yes. Because Bernardo's like, I've killed this
1: kid. I didn't want to do this.
0: Well, so he had earlier on as well was the death penalty is still a thing. Yeah. And everybody knows that if, well, he says, everybody knows that if a brown boy kills a white boy, the brown boy will die. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm dead anyway. You might as well kill me. Because then he's still getting his own back on Tony because Tony will still not be able to be with Maria.
1: Yeah. Now, one of the things I also thought was quite interesting is we have the rumble scene and then we go into I Feel Pretty
0: yeah it's tragic that's a change that's what she's doing at the same time yeah, yeah I feel pretty as you do a bit earlier on and
1: I liked that I liked that the ignorance is bliss she's having a great time because you see that again with Juliet like she's there and she's having a great time and then she hears that Tybalt's dead mm-hmm. and who killed Tybalt and now she's got to deal with the grief of my husband but my cousin you know I, I liked I liked yeah, the way Cino it because
0: Chino shows up to tell her yeah
1: yeah and they all think because they all think she's talking about Chino mm-hmm. and they think that there's some kind of lover's rift there
0: yeah some of the girls stay to see what's happening and then yeah. they hear that bernardo has been killed so they're there then they're to help her with that
1: so the it all kind of culminates this big ending where Maria's being interrogated by the lieutenant lieutenant Sh- uh, uh, what's his name lieutenant shrank yeah and she asks for anita to go and deliver a message that she's going to be a little bit late. They're going to move away. They're going to go Which start to so,
0: She says, oh, please tell my cousin that yeah. I can't come right now. I will be a bit late and just to wait.
1: And the moment that Anita bursts out of the door and just sobs is heartbreaking. But yes, so she goes to Valentina's store to try and give the message. And this is the thing, we've we've talked about it briefly, but this scene is painful, but especially with the fact that the Jet girls are like, don't do this. Mm. And they then get locked out. So Rita Marino has talked about how difficult this scene was to stage. Yes. Due to previous trauma that she has experienced.
0: Well, and the fact that she played Anita.
1: Yes, But also the fact that when she did this scene, for the 1961 film, she had a panic attack. And one of the things she talked about was how amazing it was that the scene was rehearsed with an intimacy coordinator to make sure Ariana DeBose was safe at all points Mm -hmm. in this scene.
0: Yes, and this is becoming a really uh, important and more common thing in Hollywood movies now is that you hire an intimacy coordinator, somebody who makes it so that your actors aren't drinking between scenes where they have to have a sex scene, for example, which is something that happened on the set of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. No, the second one, whatever the second one's called.
1: But yeah, she said about how she was surprised that this position existed upon being told about it, but just like remarked that how amazing it was that this was happening. And I think, you know, we're not going to talk more about the scene, obviously, because it is.
0: It's traumatic.
1: It is traumatic. But to at least know that, the set was trying to make sure Ariana DeBose was in a safe environment mm-hmm. at all times for something that is difficult. And, you know, obviously has had a massive impact on Rita Moreno for her career. The fact that hopefully, 60 years from now, we won't be hearing that Ariana DeBose had the same thing. Yeah. Is my hope. Absolutely. We've talked a lot about this, you know, and not in the convention, because there's so much that happens we could in this. do
0: If we talked through the show, we would be here for the next three hours. This is
1: it. It would be a four hour long show if we talked about it. So we've obviously talked in as much detail as we can do. I, you know, I enjoyed a lot of the set pieces here. I really liked G Officer Krupke. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I think the, the, the timing of my, oh, what's going on with anybody's, took me out of my enjoyment of this sequence. Yeah. Because oh I don't like these guys because they're possibly transphobes. But Mm. I'm not quite sure. However as a song that sequence is great but it's very weird that the jet males get a song but the shark males don't. Yeah. You know it'd be an interesting balancing act maybe to have that. Mm Mm-hmm. Overall, I think the finale was staged really well. Yeah. you know, I liked the bit where, you know, poor Valentina has to go down and tell Tony that she's dead and you see him just lose it and he goes out and he's shouting for Chino and he's like, come on, Chino, bring it, just do it. Yeah, And then he turns and he sees her and it's that moment of, oh, my God. And he runs then you see chino the ending yeah, was beautifully him, yeah. mm-hmm. shot and then everyone comes out they lift him and you just have this really really powerful poignant ending where where maria shouts at all of them yeah and then valentina comes out and is like Arms around Maria and keeping her safe. Mm. It's a really nice. Oh no, it's Chino. She, she keeps puts safe. Her arms
0: around Chino. But yeah, it's nice. Chino's
1: going to be arrested. But it, and Chino just waits. And she's
0: holding the gun. Yeah, she picked the gun she,
1: up. She she and Chino's just waiting because he knows. And it's mm-hmm. just a really. It is one of those endings where it's like it's a really down ending. Yeah that you don't often get that things have to end on a positive note. And I liked seeing it. It's obviously painful, but it's nice for it to end that way. So we can't talk about West Side Story
0: without talking about musical theatre urban legends. Cool. And I'm so excited to tell you about this. There are two stories that sort of float around whenever somebody puts on a production of West Side Story. The first one is a prop mistake. Yeah. So the gun that chino uses to shoot not romeo tony
1: (laughs) basically the same
0: in this hypothetical mythical production of west side story was not where it was supposed to be and so chino has to get on stage like he has to be on stage so he leaves it he doesn't get a gun he runs on stage and panics takes off one of his shoes and hits Tony with it and shouts, poison boot!
1: Oh, my God. Hits him. Oh, my God.
0: Which would be fine if that's where the scene ended. Tony dies.
1: So then, and then Maria, Maria has to go around with this poison boot, like, shall I just poison boot all of you?
0: How much poison is left in
1: this boot, Chino?
0: Enough for you. Enough for you. And still some for me.
1: <laughs> that's brilliant. A, right, in terms of an on-the-spot thing if you incredible we know that poison is a part of romeo and Juliet, so actually that's quite fun yeah people might believe it's like this is romeo and julia they got around the poison really well mm-hmm. jeez that's just like that that's austin power shouting judo chop
0: yeah jeez story number two tony takes ill so production of again mythical production of uh west side story Tony is supposed to come out shouting for Chino to kill him. Yeah. Except Tony never appears and nobody can find him and he hasn't come on stage. So Chino comes on shouting for Tony this time. He's looking for him. He's trying to find him to kill him. Yeah. Still nobody can find Tony. So Maria comes on and they play out the scene the way it should happen, except Chino kills Maria instead. And nobody can find the actor who's supposed to be playing Tony still. And so they do the end of the show as if Maria is Tony. So Chino shoots Maria. She dies. The jets come out and they collect her and they take her off stage and the show ends. And then it turns out that Tony had taken ill. The actor playing Tony has taken ill and had locked himself in the bathroom, like throwing up violently. So they had to do the ending of the show that way. How completely, if you went in to see, because like we don't know where these stories come from usually they're like amdram yeah so like you go to see amdram west side story yeah imagine
1: that's the day that you know stephen sondheim had gone to see it and he's like i'm <laughs> supposed to go and see my show. i'm supposed to go and see it you know because i have to do spot checks and i'm gonna randomly check this one what what they changed I my
0: that. show how
1: dare you? I mean, again, credit to the actors. that When you've got to improvise in that way, you have to improvise in that way. But that's...
0: I love the Poison Boot story. The poison
1: Boot one's fantastic. Uh...
0: Share with us your favourite mishap stories from doing shows. Not necessarily West Side Story. Oh, yeah. Just any shows. I love hearing on stage We, mishap. I mean, this
1: is it. We, we've, we've done plenty of shows ourselves. There's You know, we know what's going to happen. It's always fun to hear about it. It's not fun when it happens to you. It's fun when it happens to other people.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Best song.
0: Oh, that's really hard.
1: It is hard because they are all really, really good. And I think the difference as well is the fact that you, you, you can look at it as best song, but there's an element of you may also want to have best set piece.
0: I'll tell you what it is, and we haven't actually spoken about it, is the Tonight Quintet. Yeah. So you have Riff, Bernardo, Anita, Tony, Maria, and then the backup Sharks and Jets singing their version of Tonight, where they're all sort of converging. Yes. On...
1: I know exactly what it means. There's going to be a rumble tonight. Yeah. Do you know how I know that song?
0: Is it in Family
1: Guy? No. <laughs> there is a annual wrestling event in January called, called the Royal, Royal Rumble.
0: rumble. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs>
1: And I'm going to show you this trailer after we're done recording.
0: Did they use this song?
1: They used this song and they had That's the Jets so and wrong. the Sharks and they have the wrestlers with bad wigs singing, yeah. there's going to be a rumble tonight. And it uh, and it ends with, because there can only be one Royal Rumble winner and they all go towards each other. But you've got, so uh, when we went to LFCC, one yeah. of the people I wanted to meet was Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, Rey Mysterio is the masked wrestler. Yeah. He had the wig over his mask Mm. in this trailer, Mm. but it's so funny. So as soon as this came on with, there's going to be a rumble tonight. I was like, just took me back to like 2004. But
0: it's just the difference between the way that everybody else is singing tonight compared to Anita, who was cooking dinner. But
1: then you've got this nice bit as Maria sings and goes down in the subway as the... Jets walk past her, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "Oh, this." Yeah, because could...
0: they're not interested in her. I all. know,
1: but it's like she's not even on their radar, and it's like we know that something bad's about to happen. Yep, it's, it's a really it's good, a good song. It's a really good what song. What about you? I, I, I think... feel
0: like you're going to say America.
1: America was one I was really excited to see. And it's one I could listen to again and again and again. And I think this was really, really good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I could listen to G Officer Krupke again.
0: Yep, that sounds great.
1: I did really like I Feel Pretty because I knew that song. I just didn't know it was from here. Yeah. But I do think I'm going to have to say like the prologue is great. I could listen to that prologue again and again. I'm possibly i think i'm gonna have to say my best song is america Cool. i just think it was really phenomenally done
0: Mm -hmm.
1: do you have a skip song and why is it maria
0: (laughs) because well it's not even that it's all of the tony songs are pretty samey yeah and i don't like him enough to care
1: yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like,
0: I like Maria because I know what's going to happen. Like, I feel bad for her. But Tony, I'm just like, mm, you did all of this
1: to yourself. I'll tell you which other song. So, yeah, I, I would agree. Most Tony songs are bad. Oh, no, like, I've changed my mind. Yeah?
0: It's not Maria. It's One Hand, One Heart. The wedding song. Are...
1: yeah. One moment.
0: Yeah, no, like... that song's better.
1: No, Maria and that. Those, those songs are just kind of... <sighs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. skippable
1: which is why we have a skip song i'll tell you what we haven't talked about a boy like that
0: ba, 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 ba,
1: that set piece was powerful as well yeah, spe- sounds Like great. i really liked that set piece mm-hmm. and just you know especially because there's this hypocrisy to what anita's saying because she's talking about a boy like that but she knows full well that bernardo was a boy like that yeah but she's you know it's obviously that that case of you honour the dead Mm -hmm. and it's just in this moment of grief and she's trying now to be everything because she's the matriarch of the sharks yeah people are going to look to her and she doesn't know what to do and she can't even look after Maria Mm -hmm. and it's it's a heartbreaking number and just Maria's kind of like especially the moment she's just sin the murderer go out the window knowing full well what's happened and just this immediacy. and he really
0: runs away from yeah. that moment
1: and just the fact that Maria doesn't want to listen and yeah. it's I just thought it was a really nice moment between the pair of them mm-hmm. who is your MVP?
0: I think Rachel Ziegler for a first role mm. there are so many people I want to say I think the actor who played Bernardo was, was great. incredible he was so talented I really liked Mike Faced as Riff because you just, he's so dislikable. Yeah, and it's but, fantastic. And David
1: Alvarez's Bernardo was amazing.
0: They're both incredible. But I think for her first role, Rachel Ziegler was just amazing.
1: Yeah, and Riff. obviously, like Maria's a real, you know, a kind of a naive role. Mm-hmm. And arguably, Anita does so much more. Yeah. My MVP is certainly between Anita and Maria and possibly Valentina. Yeah. There are some really amazing female roles in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, Valentina was for this version specifically, but between the three of them, it is very difficult to choose an MVP. I think I'm going to have to give it as much as I want to to Rachel Ziegler for just how amazing is this is as a debut i'm gonna have to say ariana debose yeah i think her the raw moments that she presents and just you know if you look at the trajectory of the character for a lot of characters they start at the bottom and they they end on top mm-hmm. hers is the thor trajectory where you start at the top and then you lose everything yeah you know mm-hmm. and you don't see that often and i think she captures it brilliantly but it yeah. could go to anyone. <sighs> role is difficult. I, I, I'm, I'm going to forego the which role would I play in this one, and I'm sure you will do the same. I, my only role really is Tony, yeah, or Riff, and I'd rather play Riff. I, I want to play Officer Krupke. That's who I want to play. Yeah,
0: I, I wouldn't I, want to play anyone.
1: No, but I would. En- I would enjoy being part of the creative process of this one. Yes. What star rating did you give this?
0: I gave this four because I really, really liked it.
1: Yeah. But?
0: But again, Tony's not interesting. They failed to make me care about him.
1: Do you think that comes down to the writing of Tony? Is it Tony Kushner's writing? Is it Stephen Sondheim's songs? I
0: don't think it's the songs because I think all the songs are lovely. Like when Darren Criss covered them on Glee.
1: You cared more. Very
0: pretty. But that was because I cared about his character.
1: So what is it then? Because I would agree. I think it's the,
0: the way that he's written and the things that we are told about him compared to the things we are not told. Like at no point are we ever shown that he is gentle. Yeah. And that is something Maria tells us about him. But we have no evidence to back that up. He's never been gentle.
1: I, I think. And I yeah. wish
0: he was because then maybe I would care more about him. I
1: think it's the performance of Tony here. And who do you blame for that? Do you blame the actor for not quite doing enough? Do you blame Spielberg's direction i i I said four point five because the only thing I can fault with this is Tony's performance. yeah, the rest of it is this beautiful like heart wrenching production, yeah. The only thing is I just don't care for Tony. But the fact that I care when Bernardo dies, even though I know he's going to, I cared. I cared a lot about these different characters and there's some brilliant choreography. You know, Justin Peck certainly should get a shout out as MVP because the choreography is beautiful. Spielberg, I want to see Spielberg do another musical. Mm -hmm. You know, do, I'm not going to implant an idea because you should never remake Singing in the Rain, but do Singing in the Rain and cast Tom Holland as Gene Kelly. Mm. <laughs> sorry i just wanted to get that rise out of you yeah no thank you um i
0: really like tom holland don't get me wrong but we're
1: okay oh you don't need singing in the rain we made
0: yeah
1: i i think spielberg did a phenomenal job and he still managed to have a spielberg feel to this without it being like without losing his identity in the musical or without losing the musical's identity in spielberg
0: yeah
1: it felt like it blended the two worlds really well so over to Twitter and Instagram to give some thoughts from them. Before I do that, what would you give the original production on a star rating? Is this one better than the original 60s Oh, absolutely.
0: Film? Yeah, definitely. Just because they've really taken into account how much this would affect their audience.
1: Yeah. Over on Instagram. of people said yes, they were fans, or 12% of people saying no. And we heard from friend of the podcast, Elena, who said the following. I thought that the way... They made it even more culturally relevant and realistic, was brilliant. It wasn't as much of a fairy tale like the original, for instance, showing the struggle between San Juan Hill neighbourhood residents and the construction of Lincoln Center. I loved how they included Spanish dialogue and did not include subtitles. We didn't talk about that, but it was amazing.
0: Yes, we talked about it in the pre We
1: talked about it in the We didn't talk... It works. Yeah,
0: it's fantastic. You and do- you understand
1: context clues you yeah, don't need to you know what they're can saying
0: infer what is happening yeah so it's fine
1: it represented the people in a way where it didn't just demean them by using english subtitles to overtake the overall purpose and message absolutely well done well said elena love the additional backgrounds of tony and the addition of valentina and her biracial relationship with doc i loved how she kind of represented both the puerto ricans and new yorkers the cinematography was gorgeous it really highlighted each of the performers and they all got a chance to shine within their own numbers also, the music was stunning. So was the acting. I mean, my favourites were Rachel Ziegler and Ariana DeBose. Fantastic and brilliant. The choreography was amazing because it introduced new choreography to the classic Jerome Robbins song that everyone knows and loves. I also loved the change to the ending where Maria sings to Tony as he is dying in her arms. Mm-hmm. Instead of singing somewhere like she does in the original, she sings Tonight. It was more realistic to me than the original, even though it's played out almost exactly the same. Yes. Also, the scene where Anita is almost assaulted i like how the girls in the jets group try to protect her and save her
0: oh yeah that was one of my things that i said after we watched it as well was that really the fight is between these boys yeah
1: and,
0: and it has nothing to do with them and the girls are just as mistreated by their own
1: and boys. even though the girls certainly will be involved and will shout to each other there's kind of there are some things that go above racism and like this is worse. Yeah. And I really love the fact that the they're... fact
0: that they know what's gonna happen before the boys have said yeah. anything and they're, and like, they're kicked out yeah. and they're like, no, don't hurt. It was
1: it powerful. Yeah. And it was and it was especially like Sucked. we're all the same person. You yeah. know, like regardless of the colour of our skin, we are all people and they knew full well. Mm. Anita is a very complex character, she shows so many emotions, and her spirit, which is full and passionate in the beginning, is crushed completely at that point. The subtle use of colour in some scenes versus the gorgeous bursts of colour in others was also mind-blowing. I love little details like that. The mm-hmm. sharks of warm colours, the jets of cool, which is kind of funny since they sing cool. The only number that fell short for me was Officer Krupke.
0: Yeah, you can go a lot bigger with that.
1: One of the things I asked was how would this compare? Will I dislike the original more having seen this one first? Mm-hmm. And Elena said, I don't think so. I think it'd be interesting to see both and compare and contrast them. Yeah. Thank you, Elena. As always, we love your contributions. On Twitter, 44% of people unsurprisingly said, I haven't seen it yet.
0: Yes. Go and see this.
1: Go and see this and spend some money on this because it is amazing. And if you're listening to this show, presumably you are a fan of musicals like us. Musical movies are in danger. We recently talked with. Ian and the gang from Best Film Ever on the top 10 movie musicals of all time. And you can yeah. see from the 50s a sharp decline in the amount of movie musicals per year.
0: Or well, the kind of movie musicals yeah. that people are making.
1: And if, if, if Wicked fails, I think that's it. So go and see this. If you love musicals, go and see this. Uh, 5% of people said no, just not for me. 10% of people said it was okay. But 41% of people said yes, what a triumph. So everyone who's you know majority of people who've seen this loved this we heard from westy at we underscore westy 28 said i love it i liked the in-depth backstories and the relationship with bernardo and anita has explored more i liked rita marino in this too again i asked having never seen the previous film if i do ever watch it will i dislike it because this is my benchmark mm-hmm. no If you don't like it, you don't like it. I like both films. Depends on how you feel about it. Take Annie, for example. I love the classic and the 1999 version. Not too sure about the latest version, though. Yeah. You know, so that's good. I really enjoyed this one. Go and see this musical if you have a chance.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, next week will be our first episode of 2022. Yes, it will. We're going to start the year off i think with something that's been very in demand
0: yes people have asked us to cover this so we are going to be watching tick tick boom
1: yes we. i've seen it already i know you have which doesn't surprise me (laughs) but then i mean it's all about dealing with it's starting on his birthday so it's the start of a new year you know one song from this (laughs) they're singing happy birthday (laughs) so but it's him dealing with a new year If you say so. So what better way to start than with Tick, Tick, Boom? Yeah. Obviously, in the meantime, before the episode, we will be launching our episode covering the top musicals we have watched this year Mm -hmm. for the podcast. And thank you to everyone who has contributed on that. Yep. That will be launching at some point this week before New Year's Eve. It's our own little countdown, our 10, 9, 8. What will be our number one? I've got my list. I'm not sure about your list. We're not going to talk about each other's lists until we record.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So thank you to everyone who's got involved in that. And watch this space for the BFE Real Roundtable that will be coming up. We'll make sure we retweet it so that you can find it um, over on our Twitter. But if, if you if you don't see that, follow Best Film Ever on podcasting platforms and you'll see when it goes live. I think we had a great time what was supposed to be an hour's conversation became about three and a half hour conversation, isn't it, in the end?
0: Yes, but it was worth it. It
1: was very worth it. As always, you can follow us on a multitude of great podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. We are on Stitcher. We are on Good Pods. We are on Podbean. If you like what we do, subscribe and why not head over to podchaser.com, to Apple Podcasts, to Spotify or to Good Pods and leave us a review. Tell us what you liked. And why not follow us on Twitter and Instagram at It's A Musical Pod. Until next week, thank you to everyone who's been part of our first full calendar year of musicals. We have had a great time here in 2021. We've seen some live theatre, we've seen some great movie musicals. We've had a blast and thank you to every single one of you who has been part of that journey. We love and appreciate you all so much. You know, everyone who's reached out to us, uh, be it when we got engaged or just be it to contribute something, thank you for making our lives brighter in 2021 and i hope we've done the same for you yeah
0: because we wouldn't do this without you
1: yeah we absolutely wouldn't so thank you for keeping our lockdown project a burning passion for both of us we will speak to you in 2022 same bat place same bat channel
0: have a magical musical new year